today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Second Peter continues with a theme of encouragement to the church that we be defenders of the faith against false teachers and against deceivers that were already coming into the church. In Second Peter, he encourages the church also about the reality and the truth of the second coming of Christ. That Jesus is coming. He is coming. And we can put our focus, we can put our heart and our reality. It was so true to those first century believers. that I believe that as they lived their life, they lived with that expectation, that anticipation that at any moment, at any day, Jesus could come again. Much of the New Testament canon is devoted to encouraging believers to be students of the Word. In today's message, Pastor David reminds us of the importance of knowing the truth as defined by the Bible. Those that do not know what God says are in great danger of deception and will be unable to make the necessary, often difficult yet wise decisions that lead to life. However, those that know the Word will be able to rightly discern God's will for their life and recognize a lie when it comes. Now here's Pastor David with part one of his message, All Guardians of the Faith, an introduction from the book of 2 Peter. In his writings, Peter asks some very hard questions. Right at the very first chapter, Peter asks down in verse 10, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you know that you're saved? And as we go on through 2 Peter, there's going to be times when he writes stuff that are going to give you and I an opportunity to weigh our commitment and our obedience to Christ in real and intangible ways. Is my commitment to Christ merely a commitment of convenience? And even as C.S. Lewis wrote, is it all of me, every aspect of me, all of me is his. If you haven't guessed yet, I don't want this study of Second Peter to be just a walk in the park for us. I don't want us to go through another book that we walk away from here and we say, hey, that was a good study. I learned a lot. And some of you have shared with me that, wow, since coming to Calvary Chapel, I've learned so much more than I did in my previous church experience. And I love that. I'm glad for that. But beloved, head knowledge does not always equate with heart knowledge, does not always equate with the activity of our lives and the direction of our lives. We can learn and learn and learn and never make it to heaven. Do you realize that? We can know it. We can quote it. We can even share it with others. 
but is it true in our hearts and lives? Even Paul, that, that, that great apostle of grace, you know, he had been raised in the law, and when he came to Christ, he said, wow, what a, what a, what a relief this is. It's not the law, it's the grace of God. Even Paul, as he writes, writes these words to the church there in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he writes, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves as to rather you are in the faith. He says to test yourselves, and he's writing to believers just like you and I. Well, how dare you question my salvation? I'm not questioning your salvation. I want you to question it. Pastor, don't you want me to have assurance? Absolutely. I want you to have assurance. But I want you to have real and true assurance of your salvation. I don't want it to be hinged simply upon the words of somebody else. I want it to be hinged on the reality of Christ in you, the very hope of glory. Albert Barnes, a Bible commentator from years ago, 100 years or better, he puts it this way. He says that the best way to prove the reality of your faith is to subject it to actual trial in the various duties and responsibilities of life. A man who wishes to prove an axe to see whether that axe is good or not doesn't sit down and and look at it and read all of the information he can find about axe making or on the properties of iron and steel as valuable as all of that information would be, but he shoulders his axe, he goes into the woods, and he puts it to the trial there. If it cuts well, if it does not break, if it's not soon become dull, he understands the quality of his axe better than he could in any other way. So, if a man wishes to know what his religion is worth, Let him try it in the places where religion is of any value. Let him go into the world with it. Let him not merely sit down and think and compare himself with the Bible and look at his own heart, as valuable as this may be in many respects, but let him treat his religion as he would anything else. Let him subject it to actual experiment. That religion, which will enable a man to endure persecution for the name of Jesus, to bear calamity without murmuring, to subject to a long series of disappointments and distresses for Christ's sake, that religion is genuine. That religion, which will prompt a man unceasingly to a life of prayer and self-denial, which will make him ever conscious, industrious, and honest, which will enable him to warn sinners of the error of their ways and which will dispose him to seek the friendship of Christians and the salvation of the world, that religion is pure and genuine. It's like the good axe with which a man can chop all day long in which there's no flaw and which does not get dull, which answers all the purposes of an axe. Any other religion than this, he says, is worthless. Any other religion than this is worthless. Second Peter is written by Simon Peter. We remember him, that gruff, rough old fisherman. I don't know how old he was, but he was a fisherman. 
His mouth was a size 10 and a half double E. Because of always putting his foot in his mouth. Okay? And yet the Lord Jesus brought him on as a disciple. And even in all of his failings as a disciple, the Lord Jesus called him an apostle and sent him out, even with those failures. He was gifted in evangelism, and he was used in planting of many churches, and he was persecuted for the faith. As a matter of fact, he was martyred by the faith. But he was also an encourager of the church, and this is the Simon Peter that writes to us here in these pages. And just as we've gone through 1 Peter and we looked at 1 Peter again about that idea of our heavenly citizenship, the fact that, yes, we're living here presently as as strangers, as aliens in this world, but we have a home, we have a citizenship in heaven. Well, 2 Peter continues with a theme of encouragement to the church that we be defenders of the faith against false teachers and against deceivers that were already coming into the church. In 2 Peter, he encouraged encourages the church also about the reality and the truth of the second coming of Christ. Jesus is coming. He is coming. And we can put our focus, we can put our heart and our reality. It was so true to those first century believers that I believe that as they lived their life, they lived with that expectation, that anticipation that at any moment, at any day, Jesus could come again. Rather that be in the rapture of his church or in the fullness of the second coming, that at any moment, at any time, that would happen. And yet people now scoff at that and say, oh, you guys have been saying that for years. Peter addresses that. He addresses about the fact that our God is long-suffering, not wishing that any would perish, but that all would come to everlasting or eternal life. Peter warns the church that deceivers are everywhere, and yet God's not surprised by any of that. None of that takes God by surprise. These detractors have always been there since the very beginning of time. Detractors and those that would come against God's plan and God's people have been there. We look back even in the early pages of Genesis. We see angels who have turned away from their correct place. We see a wide variety of people, both in Old Testament and New Testament, that again, come against and pressed against and tried to distract and dissuade the plan of God and the people of God. Peter sees the same thing happening in the first century church. But gang, unfortunately, it didn't end there, did it? We're 2,000 years now into this thing. And deceivers and antichrists and false teachers are still there. And they still penetrate within the church. This book, Second Peter, was probably written just shortly after 1 Peter. They figure it's probably written around 66 to 68 AD. Most historians agree that Peter was martyred for his faith around 68 AD. Do you realize that's only some 30, 35 years since the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? 30 years and already the infiltration within the body of Christ of these false teachers was there. Peter writes with a pastor's heart. He cares about the people. Peter's not trying to build his own kingdom. He cares about the people that he's been in touch with, the people that he's heard of, the people that he knows are trying to live their life of faith in a dark world. 
He's concerned that the sheep are cared for. He's concerned that they're not taken advantage of. He's apparently, he's, all, he's already seen, he's already heard about these charlatans that have come into the church trying to build either their own kingdom or get some place or status for themselves or bringing in false teachings, false understandings of what the truth of the word of God was. And he knows that some of the people within the church are already following these false teachers. They're already following a false gospel. Peter's concerned about the eternal welfare of his readers. Apostasy, false teaching, deceptive leadership of the flock already within the church, the body of Christ needed to keep their attention focused on the plan and on the purpose of God and the reality of his return. That's what this book is about. Peter wanted the church to be aware but not be afraid. They needed to be found faithful and not be led away by these errors of the wicked, as he calls them. Peter calls for the church to be the guardians of the faith. Do you realize that you, yourself, seated there this morning, if you call Christ as your Savior, you have been appointed as a guardian of the faith. Yes, you. But I don't know enough about the faith. Then you need to learn. You need to learn so that you're not deceived and so that you can bring loving correction to those that you know, that may be being led astray or may not even know the truth and the hope of the gospel. We, not as pastors, not as leaders, but we as the body of Christ are called to be guardians of the faith. That's why we find in Second Peter this tone and, and certain statements that, that speak very much about the responsibility of the believer to live his or her life in full accordance with the will and the plan and the purpose of God. And Peter makes these statements, these very, very clear statements that are possibly going to cause some wandering believers to maybe even doubt their salvation. And I think that's a good thing. Because if we're wandering from the truth and faithfulness to the scripture, maybe we do need to doubt our salvation. Well, pastor, I, I need the encouragement of it. And get your encouragement from the spirit of God working within you. Not because I'm going to come and pat you on the back and say, oh, that's okay. That's okay. You're probably saved. That's not going to work at the end of the day. At the end of the day, when the word says, every man at the end will stand before God in judgment. But my pastor said that I'm okay. Don't you dare say that. I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to try and soften the words of Peter. What I am going to try to do, though, is to bring it into the context of all that the word of God says, including those very words of Jesus. And at times, yeah, some of you are going to be very uncomfortable with what's being said. It's not going to be a feel-good book, but hopefully it's going to be an instructive book. It's in the very first chapter where he makes that declaration, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, right at the very beginning. And then throughout this whole short book, as we continue on, I want you to be challenged to assess your own walk in Christ. 
your walk as a believer, and your commitment to the things of God. I want you, through the word of God and by the spirit of God, to say, Lord, where am I in the midst of this? I've been going to church for years and years, and these things, they're, they're not real in my life. Then find out why they're not real. At the end of the day, you don't have another chance, beloved. And my calling as a pastor is to bring as many into the kingdom as I can and to make certain that those who believe that they are going, that they really and truly are going. They're not being led astray by a lie or deceit or by a false hope because they've joined this or they've done this or gone through this. No, what's going to make the difference is the reality of the Spirit of God within you. My hope is that you go away from these studies not with the attitude, oh, I just need to try harder. And that's the unfortunate reality. A lot of you, even this morning, may go out of these doors saying, oh, I just need to try harder. But beloved, that's not the case. That's not the case. The case is, I need to draw closer. I need to draw closer to the Lord. Because the closer we are to the very presence of Christ in our life, you know what? The old stuff will fall away. We'll, we'll, We'll be ashamed of those things and we don't want to be thinking that we don't want to be processing that we don't want to be walking that way or doing those things we don't want to maintain that hatred that bitterness that unforgiveness no because i'm in the very presence of christ who forgave me of all my sin how could i not forgive the temporariness of what was done to me by someone who's just as fallible as i am There's a grand difference between these two thoughts. I need to work harder versus I need to draw closer. And one of those, the the one is a grand dependence upon what myself can accomplish. I need to work harder, that's something that I do. But when I understand I need to draw closer, then it's focused on the reality of what's already been accomplished for me in Christ, what Christ has already done on my behalf. And I focus on that. And in that, that's where I see the changes start coming to me. It's not a forced thing at that point in time. The time left, I want to touch on just a couple of verses here in Second Peter. First few verses there in Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us many things that pertain to life. Is that what it says? Are you guys watching? Are you listening? Okay. Correct me on those things. He has given to us how many things? All things that pertain to life and godliness. Through working harder? No. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. The very first thing we see here is the order in which Peter introduces himself. He says, I'm a doulos. I'm a bondservant. I'm a a slave. 
His life was no longer his. His schedule wasn't his. His plans and his futures, no longer his own. He was a slave to King Jesus, and he lives his life in doing his master's bidding and for the master's good pleasure. He understands that. But you know what? Every one of us are called into that same calling. We are called to be the slaves of Christ, to be his servants, to be the doulos of Christ. It's not my future. It's not my plans. No, Lord, you direct me. You you direct my path. I might make a plan, but Lord, you direct my steps. Lord, you bring into my life what you desire. You take away from my life what you desire. I'm at your beck and call. Peter understood what a slave was because they were all around him. Peter understood that a slave at any moment of any day, the master might say, hey, I need you to do this and take care of this. And what was the slave saying? You know what? I'm really busy right now because I plan today to go and do this and this. Would that work? No. And that's the heart that we need to have toward Christ. When the Spirit says, speak to this person, visit this person. Ah, Lord, I'm just so busy. I've got so many things. Peter wouldn't understand that in a slave's life, and neither should you and I. Even as he addresses his readers, he addresses them as brothers and sisters. He says, to those who obtained a a like and precious faith with us. You see, there's an equality at the foot of the cross. There's an equality that so desperately needs to be recognized and displayed within the church of today. You and I need to realize that places of responsibility, whether it be an apostle or a pastor or a deacon or an elder or a Sunday school teacher or a leader of the church of any way, shape, or form, everything about it, they are places of service within the kingdom. They're not places of exaltation. Equality comes in view of the fact that we all come to Christ the very same way. Every one of us. The rich man, the powerful man, doesn't come to Christ any other way than the guy that's down and out and has tried to ruin his life through every kind of excess in his life. They both come to Christ the very same way. Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I don't care if you're the bank owner or the bank robber. You come to Christ the same way. That's why it's equal ground at the cross. And none of us, none of us at all bring anything to the table. That's why God could speak just as powerfully through the mouth of a donkey as he does through any human vessel. Amen? You're not embarrassing me about it. I realize it. And I realize sometimes it's kind of difficult to tell the difference between the two. (laughs) It's God's work. It's God's power. It's God's plan. It's the equipping of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God that makes anything of anything we do in the kingdom useful. And as soon as it becomes something that I'm capable of doing through my own powers, through my own abilities, guess what? It ends up being wood, hay, and stubble. And it gets burnt up at the end of the day. Oh, Lord, look what I've done on your behalf. Foof. And it's ashes. How about, Lord, what you've done, what you have done through a cracked, chipped, stained, soiled vessel. That's the gold, silver, and the precious jewels.
That's why Peter tells us here, the very source of anything we have that's worth anything comes from God the Father. What does he say in verse 3? It's his divine power that's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. We're so delighted you were able to join us for today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of 2 Peter. If today's message has sparked your interest and you want to hear more, we invite you to visit theopenword.com to find teachings throughout Scripture from Pastor David. Another great way to hear each new teaching as it's made available is to subscribe to The Open Word podcast on iTunes. You'll never miss a teaching and you'll have it available to you no matter where you go you'll find a link at theopenword.com. The Open Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and here to bring you a personal invitation to join us is Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thank you, Pastor David. If you're in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, be sure to drop in soon to experience a service with our group of imperfect but redeemed believers. Once again, you'll find service times and directions along with more information about us when you visit theopenword.com. That's all we have time for today. But be sure to join us again for more insights into the book of 2 Peter right here on The Open Word. Make us more.